Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. We're in for a treat today. Got a good friend of mine, and we're going to be talking, we're going to keep this really, really simple. We're going to be talking about one of the, if not the easiest way to wholesale deals ever. When I first discovered this, I don't know, almost 10 years ago, completely changed my life, completely changed my business. It became so much easier to do deals. And I have a guest today that is going to, I'm hoping, simplify it even better than maybe I can because he does it more than I do and he does it better than I do. And it's a real simple strategy that a lot of people ignore and overlook. And I've run masterminds in the local St. Louis area with other wholesalers. And these guys, like Justin, um, are some of the most active guys that do the most deals. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about this on this episode. All right. So if you are watching this on YouTube, please comment down below. Let us know what you think of this podcast or this video and say hi. Tell us where you're from. If you have any questions, type them down there. Um, either myself or my guest will get on there and answer any questions that you guys might have. Cool. Are you ready to bring Justin on? Justin, are you there? How are you, my man? I'm good. How are you, Joe? Really good. Trying to get this banner to remove. There we go. Justin Van Riper. Did I pronounce your name right? That is correct. I it is. Did it. Justin Van Riper. Yes, you got right. it. <laughs> A fellow St. Louisan, Cardinals fan, and uh, he likes the Cardinals. So I said, let's get on. Let's get you on the show. Let's talk. So cool. Justin, uh, tell your story a little bit. How did you get started in real estate and what were you doing at first when you first got into real estate? What kind of deals were you doing? Sure. Yeah. So so actually, when I, I first got started, it's kind of funny because it, it basically was the base to what I built out this strategy to eventually be. And so the way it worked is um, I, I basically had some buyers. I had a decent sized buyers list. And at the time, it was mainly just through emails. And so I had just one guy, there was one guy in the local St. Louis market who was supplying me with tons of properties to be able to sell. So we were essentially partnering together on them. He would bring the deal, I would bring the buyer, and it was extremely, extremely easy. And so we were doing a lot of deals. And this is and how you got started. This is basically how I, I got started, is doing this. This other partner, business partner, was finding the deals. So he was doing seller marketing. Yeah. So he had he he got deals a lot of different ways. He had been doing this for a very long time. So he'd have like all kinds of realtors that would reach out to him with deals. He did, you know, some seller marketing. He worked with banks. He had a lot of different ways that he was bringing these deals, but he brought me a ton of them. And because I'm telling you guys that if you sell one property for someone, they're going to come back to you every single time that they have something for sale. And so that's basically what happened. He had a property and I happened to see it. And I was like, oh, I, I was working with some California investors at the time. And I was like, I think I have someone for this. Do you mind if I you know, send it to him? And so I did. They wanted it. They closed on it. And so then he just kept sending me deal after deal after deal. And it was amazing. So I would just, he would bring the deal. I would bring the buyer. Yeah. And you know, we, we closed a ton together. And so I actually remember at one point, I am, I'm like, I don't know, something like a year removed from college at this point. I started with, you know, essentially nothing. 
And I remember at one point looking in my bank account, just my checking account, and I had over $80,000 in, in the account. So that's after all my personal and business expenses were taken care of. That was literally just sitting in a checking account. And I was like, man, this is kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this, this is pretty neat. And so, um, so we did a ton of deals together. And then um, sure enough, I got greedy and was like, well, why don't I just go direct to sellers? Why do I, you know, split these deals and, you know, work with him? I'm seeing all these other people, you know, on social media and everything. And you listen to podcasts and they're like, oh yeah, you know, we did this $40,000 wholesale deal, this $50,000 wholesale deal. And, you know, I'm like, man, I could do that same thing. I could make bigger spreads if I just go directly to the sellers. And so um, I still was main, maintained a relationship, you know, with this, this guy, but I also started to do my own seller advertising. Well, let me rewind a little I, bit more. How sure. did you find out about real estate? How did you find out about? Yeah. So I, um, I had a mentor when I was in college. I always knew that I wanted to own my own business of some sort. And this guy happened to own a business and he did real estate on the side. So he owned something like 80 duplexes. And so um, he was mainly just in the rental game, but he had about 80 duplexes. And so he got me you know, intrigued on real estate investing. And so then I just started researching as much as I possibly could. I mean, it's Funny going back to it now, one of the sites that I got a bunch of information from was reiclub.com. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. since then, I've actually, you know, I know the people who. You know what? Funny, I have an interview. Yeah. They're interviewing me for their podcast today. Are you? Uh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's awesome. So it was like a small world. I, I was happy to tell them, I'm like, you guys are what got me started. <laughs> wow. You know, in, in it. So, so I just started doing a ton of research and I had. A little bit of money saved up, not a ton, but I had a little bit enough to, you know, cover my expenses for for a little while. And so I decided to go for it. I quit the job that I was working for, and I just went full time because I didn't have, you know, a family to support, and I just my my expenses were very low. So I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to own my own business. Now is the time to try it. You know, before I have a bunch of obligations, you know, that I I need to, you know, take care of. And so um, I did that and I basically haven't looked back, but, but yeah, how I got started was he got me interested in real estate investing. And then essentially after that, I just started reading every single article that I possibly could and found out about all kinds of different ways, you know, because my initial thought was I'm going to get rental properties to create, you know, passive income. And then it led to reading more and more about a lot of different things. And of course, one of the things that intrigued me was wholesaling, you know, wholesaling, Quick, easy, very low risk. You know, you don't actually have to own the property. You don't have to do any work for the property, and you can get into it with you know very little money or credit. Yeah. And so it was really appealing to me, right? And so, uh, so that was one of the things that I I started was was going for wholesaling, nice. and then uh, a little bit you know further on in my my journey, I met that guy who uh, started sending me. You know, tons of properties. So, how did you? What buyers. made you think about finding the buyers first? What sure. What made you decide, like, yeah, hey, you know what, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to find these buyers first to, and then sell them to this guy. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, I think honestly, what it was is that I was so worried about getting a property under contract and then not having a buyer for it that I was like. I'm going to build these buyer relationships first so that I know I've got somebody to go to whenever I do get a property. And so I think that's kind of just how it started is 
man, I was just so nervous that I was going to get something under contract and not be able to perform. So I focused on that and just started, you know, building up that buyers list, building my my email list. And what year was this? And I, oh, that was eleven or twelve, two thousand eleven or two thousand twelve. Yeah. yeah, I think eleven. It was two thousand eleven, I believe. Cool. All right, so you're you're starting to bring buyers to this guy, and this guy's bringing you deals. Were you business partners, or just you were just kind of on your own? Yeah, I mean, he still was like doing his own deals and everything. It just happened to be, you know, if I had a buyer for one, and usually the way we operated is, you know, we weren't doing 50-50 splits. He would just tell me, here's my number. (laughs) This is what I need to get for it. And then whatever you can get on the top of that, feel free to keep. But he would give me typically his number and there wasn't a whole lot of room for negotiation usually. And so I would just, you know, mark them up, whatever I thought I could sell them for. And I made my spread, he made his spread, but we typically were not doing, you know, these like 50, 50 deals now, cause he was still, he was selling properties to other buyers too. So it was kind of like, you know, if he found somebody else that was going to pay more then you know, I always told him, go for it. You know, I, I want you to obviously make as much as, as you can. So if you find someone that pays more, go for it. But if I can help and I can provide you with the highest offer, even though I'm marking my fee on top of that, then you know, we can do deals that way. So were you working- yeah, I wasn't a business partner. Okay. So were you working a full-time job at that point? I was not. No. So um, that was when I, I quit a job that I was working that paid pretty well. And that's how I had saved up a little bit of money. And um, I get both ways, you know, like some people, they don't want to quit their job right away, even if they have, you know, some savings to fall back on because they like having that income coming in and they'd rather start it on the side. For me, I'm more of a just, you know, all in type of guy. And so I was like, you know, I don't want to, and I was working nights too. That was going to make it very difficult is I was working from like six or seven at night to six or seven in the morning. So it was going to be pretty difficult to be able to do this business working nights. I could have made it work, but I I was kind of getting tired of the other job also. And so uh, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go all in and I'm going to give this everything I've got, you know, kind of burn the ships and like, I'm going to make this work. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so, so that's, that was my personal strategy is what, what I did. So I, I did quit and, and went full in on, on real estate investing. Okay, nice. All right. So you're, you got 80 grand in the bank and you, you think well, I could, I could go to direct to seller myself, make more money on average per exactly. year, right? So then what happened? Exactly. Yeah. So I, I tried that, you know, um, I was following what everybody was, was saying. I, you know, got postcards from, you know, the exact postcards that other people were using. I was mailing to the list that everyone tells you to mail to. I actually hired, I had two acquisition managers and a full-time assistant. Um, I was spending over 10 grand a month in marketing costs. Plus I had other overhead and, uh, and then I was paying, you know, the acquisition people out of every deal that they got or every deal that we did, they get a percentage, you know, of each deal. And so it worked decently. You know, there were months where we did well and we, you know, we sold quite a few properties. And so it, it worked well at times, but the overhead was just insane. And that's what I hated. I hated having all that overhead. And all of a sudden we had couple dry months like in a row. And because that overhead was so high, even though we still, you know, we're doing some deals, I'll never forget that I was, man, I was sitting there and and I got a notification, like I, my phone buzzed and I got a notification. It was an email notification. I looked and I saw it was from Bank of America. 
And like, I knew exactly what it was going to say. And it was account alert balance below $25. (laughs) So I'm sitting here and I had over $80,000 previously. And now I'm broke. I mean, just broke. And so, man, I was, um, I was devastated at that point and, and embarrassed. And so, um, I was like, I've got to make some changes. And so that's what got me to actually go back to the beginning. And I'm like, I was doing these deals before. And so I'm like, I think I just need to completely cut out seller advertising. I need to do that and focus on my buyers, focus on the buyer relationships, because there's tons of deals out there just that you can get for free. Tons of deals that you can get. If you have, you know, the right buyers for it. That, that's so funny. I, not, it's not funny because it's serious. I was in kind of a very similar boat. And people think back in 2011, 2012, that's when it was easy, right? That's when, you know, direct mail worked. No, it, it was still hard. And it was right about that time as well. I was doing, I had an acquisitions manager. We were doing a lot of direct to seller marketing, doing a lot of postcards and again, making money. But at the end of the day, I'd look at my profit and I was still only netting 40 to 50% of the deal. And I had other people doing everything for me, but I was still like on a 10 grand, $10,000 profit. I'd still only make four to five grand. And I thought there's got to be a better way to do this, right? I shouldn't have to be working this hard and only keeping 40%. And then um, somebody, oh, I remember who it was. It was, um, well, anyway, somebody told me, he said, listen, you need to go find the buyers first. And I thought, well, that, you know, why? That doesn't make sense. Because I, and I thought I, I knew, I thought I knew everything, right? Because I, I was this really good wholesaler. And he said, no, 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 you need to go back to the basics. You need to go back to elementary school and learn what they, what is, what's the first thing you learn in business? You need to find out what your buyers want and go get it for them, right? And there was that show Profit First that came out a couple, three years ago. No, 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 Undercover Billionaire. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the guy, the show before the Grant Cardone show. I forget his name, but one of the first things he did when he was out there with only a hundred bucks to his name, sleeping in a truck, he would go look for unclassified ads to find out what buyers were looking for. And he found buyers that were looking for tires and he would go find used tires for them. Do you remember that? And he talked about that. I did not see that one, but... Oh, it's really good. Yeah, I didn't talks, see that one, but yeah, it's good. Talks on there about one of the most important things in business for any business is to find out where the demand is, right? And like I say this too, it's so easier to sell what buyers want rather than what you have, right? Yes. Because if you go, and I say this all the time, if you go to New York Times, uh, I mean, New York Times Square, and uh, you you make some spaghetti and you walk around and you say, hey, who wants some spaghetti? Would you like some spaghetti? No. Would you like some spaghetti? No. But if you instead went with your DoorDash uniform on and said, hey, are you hungry? I'll go buy you some food. What do you want? Who do you think you're going to have? How are you going to have more success with, right? So it's always, always easier to sell buyers what they want rather than what you have. And I'll say one more thing here because I want you to keep on telling your story. This is so good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who is our customer in this business? The sellers or the buyers? Who are the customers? Buyers. Buyers. Exactly. Because they're they're the ones with the money. It's the golden rule. He who makes the rules. No, he who has the gold makes the rules or something like that, right? Sort of. But like the buyers are the customers. They're the ones with the money. And sometimes in real estate, I think we get it backwards, right? Because we try so hard to get sellers and that's our main focus that it gets hard to sell those deals. But if we just have the buyer with the money, we know what they want. I think you'll you'll talk about this here in a minute. But I'll, when we started doing that, we started finding buyers first. I couldn't believe how many people were bringing us deals. And we we didn't we stopped doing seller marketing. We didn't need to do it anymore. All right, so you had almost zero. 
under $25 in your bank account. So what did you do? You sat down and said, I need to, I need to change something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you said there too, by the way, is you're not going to get paid from a seller, right? You're going to cash your check from the buyer. The buyer is the one that's actually bringing the funds. The seller is not going to pay you, you know? So it's so true. I agree, you know, with everything that you're, you're saying there and, and you're right too about don't try to sell them something that you don't even know if they want. But if yeah. you know exactly what they want, then it becomes you know really easy. Then you're just going and providing that for them. So yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. But yeah, so uh, so I I had basically nothing, and I'm like I have got to rethink you know everything. And I'm like I, I can I know I can do this without any seller advertising. And so I ended up I was like you know what I'm going to go completely back to the basics. I'm going to do it myself because I know if I'm not doing any seller advertising. I'm not going to have to work, you know, crazy hours because I'm just going to be getting all my deals sent directly to me. And then I'm just going to try to pair them with, you know, buyers. And so I ended up cutting it down to where it was just me again. I had zero seller advertising. So all of a sudden my overhead went from, you know, really high to very little. I mean, pretty much nothing for overhead. It was was fantastic. (laughs) And here's the crazy thing is that within just a couple months, I had actually increased my revenue. <laughs> Remember, I had two acquisition managers and I was spending over $10,000 a month in seller advertising. And my revenue literally increased within just a couple months. And it was just me doing wow. you know, everything. And it was so, so simple. So it was, it was crazy. I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And it's just so funny that I, I kind of had it right at the beginning. Yeah. But then, you know, I had to make some mistakes. And since I started, I've also, you know, added a bunch to, you know, when I was working like with the one guy now, you know, I've got all kinds of strategies for bringing in, you know, a lot of people that are going to send me deals and a way of, you know, working with, you know, a lot of, of really good buyers. Yeah. Um, so it's, it really is, it's insane how much easier it's been, you know, now. And so now I literally operate my business. It takes me, I do have an assistant. And there, it's someone from the Philippines, so very cheap. <laughs> They're very affordable, and I just hire them for you know a few hours a day is all, and that's it. That's like my only essentially employee, and I can still operate and do all this. And um, what I tell people is like with this, you you actually create like a lifestyle business where you can work one to two hours per day and consistently make ten thousand dollar checks. You know, like nice. yeah. decent sized check. In fact, one of my students, he recently. He did $22,000 one and a $14,000 one within like a few weeks of each other. And so people think, you know, with the strategy and you're not trying to sell her and everything, you're probably making these tiny little spreads. Like, I mean, 22,000, 14,000, like these are pretty good sized spreads. Um, I personally have one that we're literally getting under contract today that I think is going to end up being 14 or 15. Um, so, I mean, you, you actually are still making some pretty good sized checks without having to do any seller yeah. advertising. Yeah. And it's crazy because on average, it takes 45 seller leads for just one deal. So that's 45 different sellers that you have to talk to. You might be going on 10 appointments out of that too. So you're driving out and you're trying, you're like, you're spending all this time with the seller, you're trying to build a rapport. Oh, and then you're competing with other like top wholesalers in your area that are very good at sales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it takes 45 seller leads and $3,600 in marketing costs. These are the averages just for one deal. Um, so I completely cut out all yeah. of that. So I'm like, all right, cut out the money aspect, cut out the time. Let's just make this as simple as I possibly can. Very little overhead, doesn't take much time yeah. and you know allows you to actually 
you know, build a lifestyle business. You know, they say that the definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who finds something that works and stops doing it and does something else. <laughs> right. How many times right. have we done that? How many times we've we been guilty of that and yep. then get frustrated when we turn around, like, where did all the money go? And we, we think, you know, some, what, sometimes when I'm talking to an entrepreneur and, and they're struggling and they're like, I, I, I was making a lot of money. Now I'm not. One of my favorite things to do with them is, all right, look back in the last couple of years and when were you making the most money and what were you doing back then? And then just do that again, right? Do more of it. Okay. So talk about over the last several years, what does your business look like? You know, what do you average on a, on a monthly basis in terms of these deals and your average profits and things like that? Yeah. So I do this. I honestly do this, you know, really, really part-time, like very part-time. And I'm still doing like four to six deals a month. And I feel like I hardly ever have to work on it. Like the perfect example is I, I I just got this, this deal. (laughs) This is just crazy. It was, so another wholesaler that I work with a decent amount, you know, he sent me the deal. I copied his text, literally just, you know, he sent me a text. So I'm on my iPhone. I just hold down, you know, copy text. I go to a couple of the buyers that I know that this is going to fit for and I pasted it. And, you know, just marked up the price, just marked up the price, but everything else was just copy and paste. Literally, one of my buyers responded immediately and said, I want it. (laughs) He goes, I'm going to have, I need one of my guys to go look at it real quick. But like, I know that area really well. I know the numbers. I know it's, I I know it's a gut rehab and that's okay. Like I want it literally immediately after that. And so um, this one's, you know, it's going to be a five, five figure, you know, spread on it. And it's just crazy when yeah, <laughs> when yeah. something like that happens yeah. where I'm I'm telling you this was within I got the text, I immediately copied it, marked mm-hmm. up the price, you know, sent it, and he immediately responded. So this is all within five minutes, within five minutes of, of doing this. So so yeah, I do it very, very part time at this point. Are you are you mainly doing it in St. Louis? Do you do it in other markets? Yeah. I I stick personally I've I've stuck to St. Louis. And partly, you know, I I've been in this market now for a decade. So I just, I know it really well. And to be honest, I have plenty of deals that come my way that I don't necessarily have to, you know, expand into another market. Yeah. Now, if I wanted to build up a massive operation and everything, I could do that. But I saw what happened when I tried to do that. And I don't like that. You know, I, I don't like having a ton of overhead. I would rather work very sporadically you know, like go on vacation whenever I want. Cause I can even do these deals on vacation. This deal that I just talked about I, five minutes, I could easily do that while sitting by the pool and just copying and pasting yeah. that. Do you, do you ever go look at these houses and meet with mm-hmm. the buyers at the houses? No, nope. Right. I even had one just last week where usually they're on lockbox if you know, they're vacant. And so it's really easy. You just give them a lockbox combo. This one happened to be tenant occupied and I just coordinated the showing, but I would, wasn't going to go out there. I, I never go see you know any of my properties. In fact, one of my students he he lives in New York, which is an area that's extremely hard to wholesale in. He lives in New York, and he has done all of his deals in the Midwest area and has never seen any of his properties. Yeah, and he's done a lot of deals now. I I lose track. Um, I used to like have the number, but he just keeps doing so many more. I don't know how many he's at right now, but he's doing a ton of deals. And he lives in New York and doing deals in the Midwest. That's beauty about the strategy. You can do it literally from anywhere. You know what they say? The easiest way to make money in real estate is to do what's easy, right? Yeah. The easiest way to make money in real estate is to do what's easy. 
And there's all these fancy strategies for wholesaling, you know, fancy strategies for marketing for sellers and lists and marketing like cold calling or texting and all that. But I just love the simplicity of this model, right? It's so simple. You just find the buyers first, find out what they want, and then go find it for them. Okay, so let's talk about, you know, some people I think are probably going to have some questions in terms of like, well, do do your buyers know that you're marking the property up? Do they they know that you don't have it under contract or you're not the main buyer? You know, do they know you're co-wholesaling in the middle or whatever? You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. And it's funny. One of my students literally just had that like same question. He's like, he's like, man, I, I feel like my buyers are going to think that I'm sending them too many properties and there's no way that I have this many properties under contract. And I said, that's okay. That's, that, that's fine. I believe in being completely transparent, you know, with, with all of my buyers. And so I'll, I will tell them that a lot of times the, the important thing is that you let them know that you are there to provide a ton of value for them. You are there, you know, to serve them, which is the exact opposite of what most wholesaling, you know, uh, like coaches out there teach. They they think, you know, cash buyers are a dime a dozen and they kind of, you know, treat them as such. They focus so much on the seller marketing that they're like, oh, it's fine. Someone's going to buy it. We'll, you know, make them all bid against each other and someone will end up buying it. I think that's the wrong way to do it. Because as we mentioned before, the buyers are how you're actually getting paid. So I, I focus on treating them very well. And so I'm transparent with that. You know, I let them know I get my deals from a lot of different sources. I've spent 10 years building up relationships. So I get a lot of these deals from the relationships that I have. And I think they understand that. They understand the value in it. So I'm I'm always up front. I'm also up front with, you know, the other wholesaler or whoever I get the deal from. I let them know too that, you know, I'm not the buyer, but look, I've worked like I, I'm not going to blast your property out or anything like that. And I'm not taking money out of your pocket. I essentially say, you know, I pretty much get paid from my buyer and I'm just going to send it, you know, directly to these people that I have really good relationships with. So I, I believe that you should be hundred percent transparent with everyone that you work with. And so that's what, that's what I do. So they, they don't care. That's what I, the student that was asking me that question, I told him that, why would your buyer care if it's a good deal for them and you're there like working hard for them, you know, you're sending them stuff. And if they don't want a property for a certain reason, you're jotting that down and saying, okay, you know, this price point's too high or, you know, they don't like this neighborhood and you're working really hard to find properties for them. Why do they care if you don't have it, you know, directly under contract with the seller? It doesn't yeah. matter for them. Good, good. The, um, one of the, when we were working with a lot of buyers at the time, we got this over and over again. They just wanted the security knowing that they had some boots on the ground, right? They had somebody they could trust that they could have to go look at properties for them, give them their honest opinion. And we also heard this all the time. You guys are the only ones who answer your phones. Like I know when I call you, you're going to answer the phone. And if you don't, you'll call me right back. So many people hide behind voicemail and they don't, they just want somebody that can talk to them, right? One of the things that we did a lot too, is we would give them options. We'd give them three different property managers, three different contractors, three different hard money lenders. And so we completely removed ourselves. So we're not selling turnkey deals, right? We're not managing the rehab for them, right? We're not fixing the house up for them. We're not putting a tenant in it and then selling it. You're just selling it as is. And these are all cash transactions mainly. Is that right? Um, some are hard money, as you mentioned, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a variety. It depends on the person, but you're hundred percent correct with that. I teach that to my students too, exactly what you're talking about. Think about 
like the pain points for someone who is investing out of state and what they, you know, what hurdles they're going to have. And if you can provide solutions for those, aka like you can give them referrals. So if you have referrals for property management, contractors, lenders, all of that stuff, and you can be that boots on the ground, or you have someone that can be that boots on the ground that can actually like go check out a property if they need need it, then that's huge for them. You know, that's that's massive. So that's that goes back to, you know, providing a ton of value for them. But referrals are huge. And and yeah, as long as you can solve that. There are still, you know, of course, some buyers where, you know, they're in California, like, yeah, I don't feel comfortable, you know, investing in that state. And that's fine. But there's a a very good amount where they know the properties in their local market, their cheap rentals are half a million dollars, and they're only getting, you know, 2000 in rent for for that property. And then they come to St. Louis, and it's like, oh, yeah, I can buy an $80,000 property that's going to rent for a thousand bucks a month, you know, then... Yeah, the numbers are just so much better. And as long as you can provide, you can overcome those hurdles and those obstacles and provide that value by giving them those referrals, then they'll just continue to come back to you over and over again. So what's your average profit on one of these deals? It's give or take like around 10, right around 10,000. That's awesome. In a second. Do you get this guys? Justin is not doing any seller marketing. He's not cold calling. He's not doing any postcards. Now that stuff works. All right. That stuff really does work, but he doesn't have to do any of it. And you got one part-time assistant, VA from the Philippines, part-time, right? And she mainly yep. helps you find the deals or does some like find the deals that other people are advertising. Is that right? Yeah. So there's basically two functions and one is finding those deals. Like you said, yes. Yeah. So there's a variety of, I've got a bunch of training that I give them. And so they go and they essentially find these deals, put it just into a Google Drive, you know, spreadsheet that automatically gets updated. And so I can go in there and see it. I get myself and my students typically get about four property leads and four new buyer leads, like pre-screened. So your VA also does buy and helps you find yeah. Yep. So yeah. So is that so that's, for a day or for a week or what? A day. Yeah. So your your VA. Nice. And yep. so you so, you don't have a dispositions manager, an acquisitions manager, a team. Do you even have an office? Nope. What do you work out no. of your home? Yeah, I, I do it, uh, you know, from my home or from the gym or, you know, on vacation. <laughs> nice. Very good. All right. So there's a lot of ways to find buyers and there's a lot of ways to find deals. Will you just talk about maybe your top one or two favorite ways to find buyers and then talk about one of your favorite two ways to find deals. And actually, before we get there, because I just thought of this, I'm thinking about questions people are asking in their heads. One of the questions I suspect people are saying is, listen, come on, the market's white hot right now. If a wholesaler's got a good deal, why do they need your help selling it, right? They can just put it on Facebook Marketplace. They can just make some phone calls and they should be able to sell it quick. Why do they need your help in this kind of a hot market? Why don't you answer that objection? I can hear it right now. People are saying. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, that that is true. Uh, it definitely is, you know, a really hot market. But there are still wholesale properties that, you know, uh, wholesalers are trying to sell that they're not having any luck selling. So that's like part of it. And then a lot of times it's just the local investors, they know the market really well. And typically they're going to lowball offer on, you know, most of this stuff. Like there's only, there's a select few local buyers that, you know, I like to work with, but for the most part, they're just so conservative with their numbers and they just make, you know, really, really low offers. 
And so sometimes it's just that this other wholesaler might have you know other interested parties and they may have other offers. I can just give them a higher offer. Um, that is so important to understand because a lot of wholesalers get stuck in selling their deals to local buyers. And those local buyers will always pay less than everybody else. And so there's a lot of investors, especially the newer ones that are out there finding deals. And it's not a deal to the local buyers, but it is to the out-of-state buyers who Justin has. Yeah, so yeah, that's you, a very good point to make, yeah. Yeah, you've got these local guys and they're like, here's my criteria, 60% of ARV minus repairs. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's just hard to make a decent spread on those deals. Then you go to an out-of-state investor and you say, in their market, they can't get anything remotely close to this. So you say, hey, I can provide them at 75% of ARV you know, minus repairs, which is still a great deal, right? It's still yeah. a very good deal. But let's look at the, let's just do like quick math on the numbers. If you have a property that has a $100,000 ARV and you have someone that's paying 75% of that, that's 75,000. So if it's a $20,000 rehab, that means they'll pay 55,000 for the property. Now let's look at that 60% person. So 60% of 100,000 is 60,000 minus that 20, that's 40 grand. So you have an offer of 40 grand versus an offer of 55 based on the fact that they just pay a little higher percentage of ARV. That's a huge difference right there, $15,000 difference in spread. And so, you know, I, I think a lot of my buyers, they just, you know, will, they're able to pay a little bit more than, you know, some of like these, these local buyers. Cause I don't care, you know, you have local buyers that are like, oh, I'm, you know, a fantastic buyer, like work with me, I'll close in three days. It's like, yeah, but your offers are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can't make any money off of yeah. it. That's great that you can close in three days, but, you know, I, there still needs to be a spread in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking here just as we talk in the last, in St. Louis County, where we both are, there are 1,200, I'm looking in PropStream, 1,241 properties that have sold in the last six months to out of state investors. Now, in a minute here, I'm going to download these to see how many individual, because sometimes one out-of-state buyer will buy multiple properties, right? So how many different sellers, here we go. So I'm going to export this list here. And I want to ask you some questions about this, the, these out-of-state buyers. So what are, what are, you know, there's a lot of different ways to find them. What are, what are your one or two top favorite ways that you like to find out-of-state buyers? Yeah. Okay. So because I've got quite a few ways to find buyers in general, but specifically like for the out-of-state buyers, this is where the assistant comes into play. So we do a decent amount of text advertising to potential buyers. So we bought lists, we buy the list, and then the particular list that I buy, they already have phone numbers. Um, so luckily, we don't have to pay for skip tracing as well. But I buy the list, and then we throw it into a texting platform. and. So the assistant will do all of the initial kind of like screening to see if they are actually, you know, an interested buyer. So they will reach out and, you know, just say, hey, have a few investment properties to sell. Are you, you know, a buyer? Are you interested in investment properties? You know, just we do various questions, but just kind of a short initial, you know, reach out to see if they would potentially be interested in investment properties. And if they say yes, then there's a few follow-up questions. And then what happens is the assistant will put that also into like a shared Google Drive folder that's you know constantly updated. So they give their contact info. And then 
if it's me, you know, I'll reach out. If it's one of my students, obviously one of my students will reach out and they just try to build that relationship. So they give them a call and they're like, Hey, someone on my team reached out to you, said you might be interested. I'd love to work with you. Like, here's what I can provide. And, you know, what are you looking for? You know, what types of properties are you looking for? What can I do to help you? How can I, you know, kind of serve you? And so then you're building those relationships with them. So that's, that's honestly the biggest way that we get out of state investors is when you get a list texting. Mm-hmm. You skip trace it and then you skip trace yep. them and your VA sends them a text. Okay. Yep. And luckily the list that we buy, they actually already have phone numbers. We don't have to worry about skip tracing, but depending on where you buy your list, you may have to skip trace them. But yes. So the way I always say it is the assistant, and this is how you're able to do this in one to two hours a day. The assistant casts the very wide net. They take the time to cast a, a really wide net and reach a ton of people. And then they weed out, you know, all of the entries. So they may they may send out 300 texts to just get four, you know, interested buyers. So it might be like 300, and they've got a bunch of responses that you know they they handle and all of that. And then me or one of my students, we're just getting the people that have already raised their hand and said yes, I'm interested, you know, in these types of properties. So we don't have to do any of that weeding out or anything like that. We're just only talking to buyers that, you know, are legitimate and that, you know, really want investment properties. All right. So check this out. I just, while we were talking here, I looked and there were 1,241, 1,241 uh, transactions in the last six months in just St. Louis County where we are right now. And you're going to find in other counties, you're going to see bigger numbers in this and smaller numbers in this, right? I think this is maybe pretty, pretty average. Of those, that 1,243 represent 412 different out-of-state buyers that have bought in St. Louis County in the last six months. 412 different. Just six months. Different out-of-state buyers. Like people are saying, oh, there's no more deals out there. Well, tell those 412 investors who from outside of the state who just bought deals in the last six months, tell them there's no deals out there. Somebody's selling something to them, right? right? Why can't you... Now, okay, of that 412, those 412, Justin... You're a big active, you're one of the bigger wholesalers here in St. Louis, right? Of those 412 buyers, how many would you say you have sold deals to in the last six months? In the last six months out of, out of state, probably eight to 10, somewhere in that range. <laughs> All right. Who else is selling to these guys? You see how even if you were to, if you were listening to this and even if you were in St. Louis right now, would you be worried about competition? Should you be worried about competition? The answer is no. There's so much opportunity out here right now. And I'm looking here, 108 of those 1,200 transactions happened from one guy in Texas. 103 happened from another guy in Nevada, then Georgia, 96 from California, 75 from Ohio, 61 from Arizona, 42 from Ohio. So these are states, Indiana, North Carolina, Tennessee, California, Illinois, Nevada, Illinois, Texas. Yeah, lots of different states. In fact, I'm going to do one more thing here. How many different states would you say bought here in St. Louis? Okay. Uh, Let me go here. Data. I know you guys can't see this and you have no idea what I'm trying to do here. Uh, This will make sense. Mailing. I got all of this just as we were talking from PropStream. All right. I bet it's at least like 35 states. (laughs) All right. There were 42 people were uh, bought in St. Louis County from 40 42 different states, right? <laughs> California is the biggest, 214. Texas, number two, 174. Then Nevada, then Ohio. I can't believe so many people from Ohio are buying properties here. 
I'm surprised by that too, because it's somewhat of a similar market, at least like certain Mm -hmm. areas of Ohio. And you maybe think, well, there's Cincinnati, there's Columbus, there's Cleveland, there's Mm -hmm. Akron. Like Ohio is a big state. Why aren't there enough deals in Ohio? Why are they buying here in Missouri? It's funny because a lot of people, they always think the grass is greener on the other side many times, right? And they think, I can't buy any deals here in my state. So they look to other states, which by the way, um, is is a trick, is not a trick, but a, a, a tactic, a real smart tactic to find out-of-state buyers. Find out-of-state buyers that are already buying in other states, right? That's huge. One of the worst things you could do is find a market for buyers that are already buying in your market. Find buyers that are already buying somewhere else and say, hey, we've got deals in St. Louis. Give me a call. And you hear this all the time when we did. They're like, yeah, we got tired of this other guy in this other market. We got, you know, so many bad deals. And I like working with you because you answer your phones, right? You can, you, you're, you're more, they got tired of the, getting the runaround, getting ignored and, and, and feeling like they weren't being appreciated. You understand? Yeah. 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 And that's why, I mean, it, it all goes back to that providing value and guys, it's not that hard to provide, you know, good value too. like, just be a, a, you know, decent human being, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you said, answer your phone and, you know, do what you can to, to help them. And it's not like they're going to be asking you for stuff constantly. It's really not that hard to go above and beyond what most people are doing. It's really not hard at all. Uh, but I love what you said there too. You know, you find someone in California that's buying in Memphis, you know, something like that. Find California buyer that's already purchasing in Memphis. Then you just, you know, when you get them on the phone, Okay, I see that you're already buying in Memphis. How about St. Louis? These are the types of properties. Here's a few examples, you know, of what you can expect here. I mean, you, know, you just have those those conversations. And then if you're there and you're providing that, you know, great service for them, man, they they're thrilled to work with you. I, I have so many first time phone calls. This is literally like the first time I've ever talked to a person where it ends after, you know, sometimes it's really short, sometimes it's, you know, 20, 30 minutes. But where the conversation ends in, that sounds awesome. Go find me properties that fit that model. Like, and I'll buy them. Like, that's how it ends. It's literally great. Just go now, go find me something and let's yeah. get some deals done. <laughs> nice. So, do they need connections in terms of like, do they, are they also looking for who some good property managers, who some good contractors are, hard money lenders and things like that? Yeah, I will usually send them referrals for that. Most of the time, they're not going to have anyone. And I tell them to, um, you know, hey, you're more than welcome to like research on your own or try to find your own people to work with. You're more than welcome to. But I also do have some referrals of people that I've worked with in the past, you know, that we've had good experiences with. So if you want, I'm more than happy to send those to you. That's so important. I just looked real quickly while we were talking in uh, the, the Columbus Ohio, the, the county around Columbus, Ohio is Franklin County. And there were 1,500 transactions in the last six months from out-of-state investors in Franklin County, Ohio. That's more than we just had in St. Louis County. So if I were to run the numbers real quickly, you'd probably find another four or 500 different investors from outside of Ohio that were buying there. And so what if you could just do some marketing to those guys, right? Yeah. So you were talking about your, your VA sends some text messages to these buyers mm-hmm. who are buying. Are you only skip tracing the non-LLCs or are you skip tracing LLCs as well? Yeah, LLCs are, are tough. It depends on who you're using. I know like in PropStream, you can't do LLCs. There's some there are some services that do. Typically, honestly, with an LLC, I usually just like old-fashioned style Google <laughs> the LLC and see like sometimes it takes you down you know, a rabbit hole of 
you find someone like from LinkedIn that's associated with that LLC. And then you find that person then on like Facebook. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of different ways that you can do this to reach out to them. But to be honest, for like LLCs, I typically just will Google it. You can also go onto like the Secretary of State website and you can see the registered agents for any okay. LLC. So you can find their name that way. And then, you know, it's, it's a lot of just like Googling and figuring out. Sometimes they'll have a website and it makes it pretty easy to get in contact with them. But you just kind of dig. Uh, each one's, you know, a little bit different. But that's how we typically will handle handle like the LLC ones. Okay. I'm looking now. I did pull Franklin County, Ohio, and I'm removing duplicates right now. And I pulled non-LLCs. All right. And list has headers, column N. Oh my gosh. All right. So in Columbus, Ohio, I found 321 unique non-LLC buyers who are buying in the last six months in Franklin County, Ohio right now. Right. (laughs) In the last six months, 321 different non-LLCs outside of Ohio bought property in Columbus, Ohio. Do you understand how important and how easy it is to get that data? Right. And and that's something that you can just skip trace really quickly in PropStream or even in FreedomSoft and get those buyers and send them a simple little text. Hey, you looking for more deals? And yeah, the VA absolutely. Does that. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And the VA does that. And, and here's what you guys have to realize too. Joe just named 321, I believe. And that was non-LLC and just individual, you know, uh, people. So get this out of that too. You could have one person, literally just one of those people can be $100,000 in revenue for you. I, I'm not even joking. Yeah. I, I had like, I brought in a guy um, from out of California and literally within, it was like five to six weeks, I sold him six properties and, and brought in like $83,000 from just one buyer in like five to six week period. It, it's crazy. Like one buyer can produce so much for you, you know, so you can even tell them too, like, Hey, I'm only looking to work with people that want to purchase at least 10 properties this year. I just don't have the time to, you know, I want to build really close and intimate relationships with just a handful of buyers. I don't want to work with, you know, thousands. So if you want to be one of my VIP select people, I'm looking for people that want to purchase at least 10 properties this year. And so you get just literally a handful of those, you get five of them. And all of a sudden, five that want to purchase 10 properties, that's 50 properties for the year, which is, you know, not not too shabby, especially if you're, you know, making $10,000 pop on them. You know, I'm looking here too. The most popular zip code that these people bought in, in Columbus, Ohio, is a zip code called uh, 43204 in Columbus, Ohio. And I could easily just real quickly go in to see what's the median home price of those homes in 43204, right? What are they buying? Are these um, older homes? Are these newer ones? What's the price range? And you know what they're looking for. And you just tell them, hey, we've got similar deals, better deals actually even in my market. Cool. All right. Yeah. So uh, you talked about that's one of your favorite ways. You have other ways that you find buyers. And we're going to, guys, we're going to give you an invitation in a minute here to watch a webinar with me and Justin, where you're going to be learning more about this. Um, so I'm so excited about this. Now talk about one of your favorite ways to find the deals that you send to your buyers. You're not doing direct mail. You're not doing cold calling. You're not doing direct to seller marketing. What's one of your favorite ways to find uh, the, the, the deals that you give? Yeah, so my absolute favorite, favorite way to find these 
And the problem is it takes a little bit of time to build this up. But my favorite way is when I build those wholesale relationships and they just text the deal directly to me. They're not even advertising it to anyone else or maybe a couple other people. That's it. And they're just sending it to me because they know I can sell it for them. So those are my favorite ones that have not been blasted out to an email list of 100,000 people. And it's been posted you know, all over the internet, you know, all over Facebook and, and Facebook Marketplace and all that. Like, I love the ones that they really haven't been marketed at all. And the other wholesaler just knows that I've brought them buyers in the past and that I can bring them someone for these deals. So I absolutely love doing that. Um, but you have to start somewhere with that. So one of the ways that I've built these wholesale relationships, I built them through the Facebook group. So the real estate investing Facebook groups for your particular market. So for St. Louis, it's like STL real estate investing, STL real estate investors. You know, you're just doing keywords for your market with you know real estate investing or investor or wholesale properties, you know, stuff like that. And then you just join all of those groups. And there'll be tons of properties that are posted there, you know, every day. Yeah. And even if you don't do a deal with one of those, it's still important to build then that wholesaler relationship. So I typically try to get in direct contact with them. A lot of times I'll have an actual phone call with them and I tell them, you know, send me anything you've got. And here's a great example of that too. So one of my students, Mike, he um he had a guy that he reached out to. He posted a property on Facebook. He posted it in one of these groups and he got like 80 responses. This other wholesaler got a ton of responses. And I've done this before too, by the way, and I can attest to this. You'll get 80 responses. People will post their email address. Here's my email, email, email. And you get so many comments on it. You spend all this time <laughs> like putting together the email and sending it. You're like copy and paste all these email addresses. And you have one person that like responds to the email after all that, you know, so it's, it's crazy. And so, so Mike ends up getting one of these properties sold for this guy. Um, and he goes, man, this was so awesome working with you. I hate posting properties in these Facebook groups because it takes so long. And the vast majority of these people aren't serious. Um, so I love using those groups to build those, those uh, wholesale relationships. So yeah, once Mike sent that, now this guy sends Mike his stuff. And I think Mike's done like four or five deals with this just one wholesaler since then. Um, I, I, I just looked yeah. in one of ours right here. It's called it's St. Louis Real Estate Investing with a period. So it's got a dot. There's a lot of different groups like this, but I think, well, anyway, this is one. It's got 18,000 members in it. The first post by a lady named Crafty. I think it's a lady. And it's a quadplex. It's a four family. Three of the four units are rented. and. The house needs updating. I mean, the property needs updating. It's, I can tell, there's no address, but I can tell from the pictures, it's it's probably North City, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a phone number. And guess what? The phone number is an out-of-state area code, right? Yeah. I love those. Why? Because they're, they're probably struggling to sell some of their deals. And they're getting some, some of these pictures look really nice, right? But like, there's 62 comments in here. from. So that tells me oh, there's a lot of interest in this. A lot of people are asking, what's the address? What's the price? So there's, there's getting, they're getting a lot of interest in this. Well, there's a phone number. Give her a call or the guy. I can't tell. Give them a call. Talk to them. The first property I'm looking at here. That's great. Uh, this other one. Yeah. I have 24 doors I need to sell. Call them up. Oh, nice. This is amazing. There's uh, another one right here. And a lot of these names, you, you would think the wholesaling community is a small community. And it kind of is. But when you, you, you it, it's very rare to find names, uh, people selling properties that you'll recognize in here. So you just, you just call them up 
Oh my gosh, this guy is looking, he wants to sell a commercial building. Anybody interested? All right. So do you find, um, you find a lot of deals from Facebook groups? Yeah. Well, and so I do find them that way. I do find deals from Facebook groups, but I also use the Facebook groups to build those wholesale relationships. So then I can work with them more on a you know one-on-one basis where instead of advertising it and blasting out in Facebook and stuff, they just send it to me directly instead. Yeah. So I do still absolutely sell some of those uh, Facebook properties, but I also use it to build those relationships. The, I the always tell people, to build the relationships so they can get yeah, other deals. Yeah. And, and the great thing is like, I, I always tell people that literally you can do this entire business and then, you know, operate one to two hours per day, but you can do it with five people bringing you deals. So like essentially, you know, five wholesalers and then five buyers. So like you literally just have five of each and as long as they're legitimate and you've got people that are you know, bringing you a decent amount and you've got decent buyers, you can do this entire business with just that. Now you have to like weed out. It starts with casting the wider net yeah. to figure out who those five are going to be. But once you get that, it becomes just as easy as like the example I explained earlier, where I, I took a text that I received from the wholesaler and I copied and pasted it and marked up the price. And, and it was that simple. And he said he wanted it within a couple of minutes. So it was like five minutes total between all of that. <laughs> I've been scrolling this whole time you've been talking and I am listening. <laughs> that sounded yeah, I am listening. But, but I'm still, I've been scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And it's still, these are all new posts that I've been looking at for the last day. These are very mm-hmm. active groups. Yes. Um, all right. So kind of g- run through real quick the conversation that you have with the, you know, this guy right here, Henry is advertising a property. He has a contract that he's trying to sell or assign in 63108. And he says, drop me a PM or your email if you are a cash buyer in the area. It's four bed, two bath, 1,700 square foot. Looks like it's a full gut rehab, needs a lot of work. All right, so you you call this guy, you talk to him. What How does your conversation go? Yeah, so um, you know, like I was kind of saying earlier about being open and transparent, you know, and just complete completely honest with them. That's essentially what I do. So, you know, I tell them like, Hey, I have a few, just a couple really good buyers that I've worked with, you know, a long time. They're, they're great buyers. You know, is it, is it okay if I send this property to them and I'll mark up your price though? They're the ones who are paying me. I don't want to take money out of your pocket, but I'm just going to send it directly to them. You know, is that okay? And nine times out of 10, if not higher, they're going to say that's completely, you know, fine. The things that they don't want, they don't want you blasting it out. They don't want, you know, you to send it to a list of 100,000 people. They don't want you posting on Facebook groups or on Zillow or anything like that. So they don't want that. And then they also think if you just contact them and you say, you know, hey, I want to uh, partner with you on this, immediately in their head, they're like, oh, so you want a 50 50 split on this deal. So if you tell them I get paid from my buyer, I'm trying, you know, I'm not going to take money out of your pocket and I'm not going to advertise it. Simply going to send it directly to a couple people I work very closely with. They're pretty much always going to, you know, let you do that. And then if one of your buyers wants the property and you close one deal with them, they just keep coming back to you over and over and over again. And so your first deal, you're 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 adding your fee on top of whatever they're getting, right? Yeah. But then going forward, it's a little easier once you build a relationship with them. Do you ever just say, "Hey, let's split the wholesale fee"? Um, Honestly, I don't. I, I do occasionally. I shouldn't say I never do because I definitely do. But for the most part, I I usually will just negotiate like the deal. So I, I had one. I had one recently. This is a good example of this deal. 
And also goes to show you, this is a big tip here too, is at least get offers from your buyers. Even if your buyers are substantially like lower on the price, at least get an offer because then you have something in hand and you know you can at least sell it for this price. So it's always really important to get an actual offer from your buyer. So this property, the wholesaler sent it to me for 78000 and I sent it to my guy for 89000 So I had marked it up like $11,000. He comes back and he's like, man, I went through the property and honestly, like I'm not anywhere close to you. I'd be at like 71,000. So he's 18,000 less than what I was advertising it for. And he's $7,000 less than what the other wholesaler was sending it to me for. And so I talked to him and we went like back and forth and, and I was like, we ended up getting it to where I'm like, can you do 80? And he eventually said, yes. So he's like, okay, I can do 80 on it. So now there's a $2,000 spread in there, but I went back to the wholesaler and I was like, hey man, um, you know, buyer came back lower than what I had sent it to him for. Is there any way you can do 70? I think I said 70 maybe on it. And we ended up at 73. And so um, so 73,000, I sold for 80. So this property that originally was a negative, uh, what, $7,000 spread because my buyer's original offer was 71,000 and I could buy it for 78. So I'd lose, you know, $7,000. <laughs> Just by going back and forth and just asking, hey, can you do this? Can you do this price? Can you do this price? I ended up getting my buyer up to 80 and the wholesaler down to 73 and was able to you know, create a $7,000 spread from and a how negative $7,000. How, how much did that wholesaler make? And I'm not sure what he, he is making on that one. It's got to be decent because on this wholesaler, I keep telling him, I'm like, you know, you can assign to me. I don't care what you're making. But he must be making big enough spreads because he's double closing on like all the deals that I'm working with him on. Uh, so he, I guess, he doesn't want me to know. So he, he's very happy. He's doing you know really well on it. The last several have been like that. I think he's just marking up the spreads really high, knowing that he's got some room to negotiate. And he's still thrilled. I mean, every time he gets a property, I'm the first person that he's sending him to because I keep selling all this stuff for him. <laughs> nice, yeah. And so, um, you do you typically have a title company you prefer to work with, or do you just use whatever title company the wholesaler wants to work with? What do you I do. I like kind of using you know title companies that I'm familiar with. Now, there's times where if you have like a, a hedge fund buyer or something, they have specific title company that they're going to use, and so I've learned to you know be able to work with them. But if you're double closing on the properties, which is what I do a lot of the times, you're going to have to pay closing costs. And so you want a title company where their fees are going to be lower. So like I have one in St. Louis um, that's fantastic and their fees are really low. So if I can, I try to close with them, but I can, I can do these deals. I've closed at 15, 20 title companies, probably in the St. Louis area. Do you ever um, like, do you ever close with different title companies? Like you close on yeah. your end with one and they close on their other with another title exactly. company on their end? Absolutely. Absolutely. All the time. Sometimes it's easier to do that. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I think sometimes it's nice to like, especially if it's a title company, like you have this hedge fund buyer where they're buying a ton of properties every month and they only close at one location. I kind of like to have mine somewhere else um, because I feel like they have such a good relationship with them that, you know, they could easily just be like, oh, hey, what's he got the contract for, you know, <laughs> for this price and, and everything. And so, um, so yes, I do that all the time where we have multiple title companies involved and, you know, it's, always still gets done. Never an issue. All right. This has been so good, man. I, I'm excited. I love this strategy. And uh, you'll see why you need to get on this webinar. I'm doing a webinar with Justin. And um, we don't know, as we're recording this, we don't know the exact times 
and dates and times yet. But if you go to lifestylereibusiness.com, lifestylereibusiness.com, we're going to be sharing a lot more of the details of how this strategy works and how you can get started today. This is one of the easiest, if not the easiest way to do deals in this market. And it's been working for a long, long time. It'll be, here's my thing. It'll always be working forever, right? If you've got who, if you have the buyers, you have the money, you will always be doing deals, right? Because, and, and, and let me say something else too. There is a ton of money sitting on the sidelines. That's not even coming into the market yet, waiting for prices to drop. So there's always opportunity here. And I love the strategy of finding the buyers first. So Justin and I are doing a webinar. If you go to lifestylereibusiness.com, lifestylereibusiness.com, by the time this podcast is released, we'll be doing it later this week or early next week. And you got to get on there and you're going to be learning more about these details of how we do this. We're going to be talking, telling you more stories. We're going to be teaching you more ways to find the deals, to find the buyers, what to say to them. It's going to be a lot of fun. Anything you want to say to wrap this up, Justin? Yeah. Yeah, actually. So here's the the thing. And the reason that this is lifestylereibusiness.com, like the reason that it's lifestyle is because I feel like a lot of people, they get into real estate with the hopes of they, they want to build kind of their dream life, right? They want to live the lifestyle that they actually want to live. And what ends up happening is they end up creating another job for themselves. And they end up working you know, 60 plus hours a week. And they might be making, you know, pretty good money doing so, but they're working their life away. And so I want to, you know, change that for people. So I I spent a lot of time and many years of trial and error, a lot of money, you know, basically coming up with this strategy to where you can do all of this by working just one to two hours per day. So um, I, I think for a lot of people that you're, if you're listening to this, don't lose focus of that, that the reason that you're getting into this in the first place is to create your dream life, a lifestyle that you actually want to live. So that's what I love about this. Um, I'd love to have you guys on this webinar that Joe and I are going to be doing. And you can learn exactly you know, how I've been able to implement this strategy and how my students are doing it as well. I love it. LifestyleREIBusiness.com lifestylereibusiness.com. Even if you're listening to this podcast a long time after it's been released, still go to that link because you might find a replay there for the webinar or another opportunity to watch it. Uh, Hey, Justin, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Joe. Appreciate it. Cool. All right, guys. Lifestylereibusiness.com. Go watch our webinar and we'll see you all later. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.